Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Mr. President. The Republican leader. Parliamentary inquiry, at what time did the previous vote on the Sanders Amendment begin? The vote began at 11.03 a.m. How much total time elapsed during the floor vote on the Senator's Amendment? 11 hours and 50 minutes. Well, my goodness. It's been quite a start. Marianne, I think we should add 11 hours of silence to the beginning of the show, just so people can... Uh, can understand what it was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so people know what it was like for senators over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch, and today... The Senate broke the record for the longest vote in history on Friday for keeping that minimum wage vote open the entire time. Marianne Levine on the longest vote in Senate history and how Democrats finally got the massive coronavirus relief package passed. The Senate will move forward today with the American Rescue Plan. There'll be a lengthy amendment process as the rules of the Senate require. The Senate's gonna take a lot of votes, but we are going to power through and finish this bill however long it takes. So take me back to last Friday. It's 9 a.m. Senators are gathered on the Senate floor for what's called a vote-a-rama. What is a -a vote-a-rama? A A vote-a-rama is basically the process where senators can basically offer a bunch of amendments to a bill that is on the floor. And um, this is a process that comes with what's known as budget reconciliation, which is the wonky process that Democrats were using to get their COVID relief bill through. Reconciliation is a special procedure that allows bills to pass the Senate with a simple majority, and it was designed to be used for the annual budget. Taxing revenue and spending bills can pass using this process. It can't be used to impact Social Security, and it can't increase the federal deficit after 10 years. However, it has a lot of gray area. And the reason that they were using reconciliation was because it allows them to pass this bill without Republican votes. Mm -hmm. And so as part of that whole process, you have this kind of arcane procedure where anyone can offer amendments. Leadership, of course, sorts out which amendments end up getting put on the floor. But basically, the Senate is in session for many, many hours, often through the night. Uh, Votorama is is upon us. Stay hydrated. Try to keep good cheer. Uh, we're going to have uh, lots of amendments today and kind of talk about where we where we differ on certain things, which would be good for the country. And basically what happens during this process is oftentimes the minority party, in this case the Republicans, will try to change or amend the legislation, even though the vast majority of these amendments go nowhere. Uh, what I hate the most is that we're doing a partisan COVID bill for the first time as a nation, and I don't know why. The Voterama process allows them to try to at least change what they see as issues with the bill. Okay, so things seem like they're kicking off normally um, Friday morning or as normal as they can be for a marathon voting session in the middle of a pandemic. And then for a lack of a better term, shit hits the fan, (laughs) right? I mean, what exactly happens and when? Yeah, so um, the first vote was at 11 a.m., around 11 a.m. Madam President, um, 
I rise today uh, to offer an amendment to increase the federal minimum wage uh, from a starvation wage of $7.25 an hour uh, to $15 an hour over a five-year period. That was a Sanders proposal to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, um, and that proposal was widely expected to fail. I move to waive all applicable sections of that act and applicable budget resolutions for purposes of amendment number 972, and I ask for the A's and A's. But while that vote was happening, um, we started seeing senators talking to Joe Manchin, who is the most conservative member of the Democratic caucus in the Senate. Hello, it is the top of the hour. I am Brianna Keeler, and Votorama is underway in the Senate right now. CNN chief congressional correspondent Manu Raju is live for us on Capitol Hill. There's been a lot of wrangling on the Senate floor in the last hour over jobless benefits. Tell us about this. Yeah, it's in fact, it's ground action in the Senate to a halt and all because of one senator, Joe Manchin. And um, we quickly learn that he has an issue with the Democrats unemployment insurance deal. This last minute deal that was reached would extend jobless benefits at $300 a week through September. But it also includes a plan that would ensure that the first $10,200 of jobless income from jobless benefits would not be taxed. To give you a little bit of background. Background. Earlier this week, uh, moderates in the Senate had raised concerns about the unemployment insurance provisions and the COVID relief package that had just been sent over from the House. And so earlier in the day on Friday, um, there was a deal that was announced basically between moderates and progressives in the Senate. There was this provision in there that basically made the first $10,200 worth of benefits payments tax-free for households that make less than $150,000. And so that provision apparently was something that Joe Manchin was not on board with. So the concern is that will Joe Manchin not support the Democratic effort to amend the bill and in fact to side with Republicans instead and move forward with a Republican plan that would pare back the jobless benefits. Basically, this evolves into a 10-hour process whereby Democrats are trying to get Joe Manchin on board with their unemployment insurance proposal Mm -hmm. while Manchin is very much considering supporting a proposal by Senator Rob Portman that would extend the $300 boost in weekly unemployment benefits just through July 18th. And so the floor came to a complete halt for more than 10 hours as the floor vote was kept open and Democrats were trying to figure out where Joe Manchin was going to be. And Joe Manchin was trying to probably figure out where he was going to be on this unemployment insurance provision. How do Democrats ultimately get to Manchin here? So it takes a lot. Um, a part of the issue here is that Manchin had previously committed to Portman that he was going to support Portman's amendment. And that would have created a really big problem, Democrats argued, because they said that if Portman's amendment had passed and Manchin did not support the Democratic compromise, it could jeopardize the coronavirus package's ability to pass the House Mm. because the Senate was planning to eventually send the bill back to the House um, because of some of the changes that were made. And so throughout the afternoon on Friday, Manchin's meeting with Portman. Portman's talking to Kirsten Sinema, another moderate in the Senate. 
But eventually Biden has to get on the phone with Manchin and he talks to him. And Schumer eventually also meets with Manchin, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. And shortly after that meeting, Democrats announced that Manchin will, in fact, be on board. The agreement that's been reached will allow us to move forward with the American Rescue Plan and voting will resume shortly. Senate Democrats are completely united in our belief about how important this entire bill is for our fellow Americans. What basically happened was that Manchin forced the Democrats to basically tweak their unemployment insurance agreement. And what eventually happened was the date at which the unemployment insurance benefits were going to end got moved to September 6th rather than at the end of September was the end result of this whole thing. Mm. So after hours and hours and hours, they make that change. They get Manchin on board cap off the longest vote the Senate's ever seen, and eventually get the whole $1.9 trillion bill passed on Saturday. The yeas are 50, the nays are 49. The bill, as amended, is passed. The final package, which goes to the House for final approval tomorrow, includes $1,400 stimulus checks for people making less than $70,000 a year, couples making less than $150,000, that $300 weekly boost to jobless benefits, um, $350 billion to states and local governments, more funding for rental assistance, testing, vaccinations, all stuff that Democrats had wanted. A huge win for them. Look, this is a great day for the country. And from the beginning, uh, we said this, we had to pass this legislation We made a promise to the American people that we were going to deliver the real relief they needed, and now we have fulfilled that promise. But Marianne, this was passed completely along party lines. You had Schumer and Biden having to convince a single senator to support them, like literally at the 11th hour. Do you think this style of lawmaking is sustainable going forward to like go totally partisan on massive legislation that's going to affect basically every part of the country in some way or another like what do you think this whole situation that we saw play out over the weekend what do you think it tells us about the future of the senate it's important to take note that Democrats can only use reconciliation one more time this year under Senate rules. Mm. So they really can't use this process more than once this year. So that's going to mean that either they work across the aisle to try to get legislation that can pass with 60 votes, or there's going to be more pressure on Schumer to nix the legislative filibuster. Right now, the votes are definitely not there for that in the Senate. You have Cinema and Manchin who both oppose getting rid of the legislative filibuster. So in all likelihood, given the state of play right now, and granted things could change if Cinema and Manchin change their minds, and there's a growing consensus that the filibuster needs to be eliminated. But without that, Democrats still are going to need to work with Republicans on most things that pass the Senate. So I don't know if this fundamentally changes things. And it's also important to note that Republicans in 2017 also used reconciliation twice for tax cuts and for an attempt at repealing Obamacare. And so it's not unusual for when a party manages to take Congress and the White House and full control of Washington to try to move what they can along party lines. Republicans did a very similar thing in 2017. 
Marianne Levine. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also today, a growing number of New York Democrats are calling for Governor Andrew Cuomo's resignation. But Cuomo is doubling down in defending himself, saying that quitting would be, quote, undemocratic. During a press briefing on Sunday, after two more women came forward over the weekend to accuse him of inappropriate behavior, Cuomo said he would not resign because of the allegations and that, quote, the system is based on due process and the credibility of the allegations. The leader of New York's state Senate is now directly calling for his resignation, citing, quote, allegations about sexual harassment, a toxic work environment, and the loss of credibility surrounding the COVID-19 nursing home data. The Speaker of the State Assembly isn't going quite as far, but says Cuomo should seriously consider whether he should remain in office. And President Joe Biden has signed an executive order to promote additional access to voting. According to the White House, the order gives the heads of every federal agency 200 days to outline a plan to, quote, promote voter registration and participation and directs agencies to notify states about ways they can help with registration. The signing came symbolically on the 56th anniversary of the March for Voting Rights in Selma, Alabama, known as Bloody Sunday. It also comes after the House passed a major voting rights reform bill last week that would prompt a huge expansion of voting rights and an overhaul of redistricting laws. The Republicans have already said they plan to stop the bill in the Senate. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Politico Energy, Pulse Check, Nerdcast, and the Playbook Audio Briefing. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.